Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without a lot of geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about tech that's important to us and important to you. Speaking of important to us, we want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your bank. Even if you do, though, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you are in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to the lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important to banks, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they'll help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net, call 225-308-3700, or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's do a little tech gumbo. Absolutely. Start off with kind of what's been going on over there in the Russian Ukraine, but not from the political, but from what we've been saying for a long, long time, the next wars are not going to be about bullets and bombs. It's about ones and zeros. Yeah, here we are. Moscow is using cyber attacks in order to roll out their invasion beforehand. They are going after banks and government websites. They are trying to soften the the ground in front of them by making life difficult by choking off the internet there. They started using direct denial of service attacks where you find banks or businesses or hospitals or whatever, and you make a million requests per minute for activity from that, that one firewall that protects that bank or that that business or that hospital or store or school or whatever, and you basically shut them down. You know, as you said, if normally they're set up to handle 10,000 a minute and you ask them up for a million per minute, you're not actually getting behind the firewall, but anyone who is trying to legitimately use that service, if all of a sudden they're 1 million and first in the line, well, they're just never going to get served. And so you are just completely overwhelming them. And so you're seeing Ukraine in a lot of places have cyber problems. And this is part of Russia's early strategy to sit there and just wear them down. This is this is what's happening. And we also expect Russia to start pointing their cyber lasers at us, too. We've talked about how how porous our infrastructure in the United States is. And, and we've seen the pipeline attack last year and, and other things. But there's a lot of concern that they are they might go after satellites. They might go after, you know, the electric grid. That's very frightening because, you know, we put all these sanctions out there and we shut down their economy. OK, fine. They're going to hit back. This is what it's going to look like in the future. 
conflict which is heating up as best we can tell. And it's it's going to have impacts outside of just that area so that the digital impacts could ripple across the whole globe. And so when things start getting ugly, you start seeing things like like cryptocurrency is already they're scared to death and you know their values are going down and you have the price of oil going up and the first bomb has not been launched across the border yet but they're creating in fear uncertainty and doubt that's that's that first ones and zeros attack absolutely and we will we will keep you up to date because there there will almost certainly be more that comes out of this and we will talk about it here on tech gumbo so another thing we wanted to talk about was WhatsApp, the the application that allows people from around the world to communicate around the world has decided they're going to refresh their whole system and, and make it make voice calls better. Yeah, the voice calling interface on WhatsApp had been pretty outdated and pretty old. And so the first time on their new beta version that's currently out there, they are finally bringing in some new features, revamping how it looks, and really trying to have it be something that looks modern, especially alongside iPhone FaceTime or the Google Duo calls or those other apps which had kind of been outshining in that department. And so WhatsApp is finally going to be able to go toe-to-toe in that in that place. And again, a lot of people here in the United States aren't really that familiar with WhatsApp. They don't know just how big or prevalent it is everywhere else in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everyone from Mexico to India to France all use WhatsApp because it allows them to communicate across country lines. We in America just communicate across county lines or, or parish lines. We can just SMS text messaging, which is so very easy to do. If you're trying to communicate back home across the seas, this is the best application on your cell phone to use. It also hit critical mass. And that's the big thing that it did is that you know that everyone else is also going to be able to use it. And that's once you get above a certain threshold, it becomes a runaway effect. And now that everyone's using it, everyone else is also using it because everyone's using it. So for those of you who are out there playing Wordle every day, good. I, I like I play it, but the New York Times, when they bought it, they spent seven figures on on the game. You knew they weren't just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. So they put in ad trackers. That's right. They're monetizing Wordle. As we are out there playing the game, New York Times knows about it now. Now, I mean, it's banal. It's just generic ad trackers. <laughs> Hopefully you don't get ads for trace or audio or some of the common starting words. But it's now like everything else on the Internet, watching where you came from and watching where you go. New York Times is trying to to compete with, with Google and Facebook and all the other social media platforms to get in the ad game. Because, I mean, they, they're a newspaper. They, they, they were in the ad game long before social media was ever around, but they've got to do this to try and keep up. And the New York Times actually is one of the few profitable newspapers left because of things like Wordle. They have their whole games department, which the, the crossword puzzle, and now Wordle is part of it. There's two or three others out there that is its own subscription, and you subscribe just to that. And so... In order to keep Wordle free, 
you're going to have to have it track you. And so that's, that is the price that we're paying for it. Moving along, the FCC has proposed to prevent ringless voicemail robocalls. For those of you out there who are receiving spam calls that don't even ring through, uh, it just automatically leaves the voicemail into your inbox. The FCC is trying to block that. They'll have to ask your permission first before they can leave a voicemail. Yeah, I don't know how big of a issue this really is. I don't get many of these at all, but maybe, maybe I've gotten a few over time. I agree. I also don't really check my voicemail that much. I, if someone's trying to get in contact with me, maybe they'll call me. If it doesn't go through, they'll just shoot a text that says, hey, call me back or something like that. But I can't tell you the last time that I, one, called someone and then left a voicemail, or two, someone called me and then left a voicemail. That technology's kind of just been replaced with the ability to be in constant contact with anyone else. I'm I'm glad, you know, I, I'm all for fighting the robocalls, but this isn't necessarily at the top of my priority list. I I use my voicemail to screen the 1-800 numbers or caller ID not found or whatever, you know, the random phone numbers. I'm just not going to answer that unless I'm expecting a call and I know that looks familiar, then maybe I'll answer it. But for the most part, nope, if I don't know it, it's not in my phone. You're going to voicemail and then I'll check my voice message and, oh, yeah, great. I'm glad you called and then call them back kind of thing. I agree. Moving on, Twitter is now looking to amend their format further. So originally, they were just 140 characters. A few years ago, they expanded all the way up to 280. And now they're considering a new form that they're calling articles, which would allow you to be able to post even longer. I don't like this. I like Twitter to be short, sweet, and just 15 seconds I know everything that you need me to know about what you're posting. If I want more, put a hyperlink in it, and I'll click on that hyperlink. If it's just a little flash of news, great. Thank you. Move on to the next. I I totally agree. But uh, you have to see what Twitter's seeing here, that whenever someone clicks on that hyperlink, they're leaving the platform. And Twitter wants you to be on their platform as much as possible. And so... Now, if a a writer, they write a story, they'll write the story and it'll sit on a blog somewhere or it'll sit on a substack or it'll sit on some publication. And then the author will say, hey, you know, here's my story and I talk about the blah, blah, blah. Here's the link to it. And Twitter wants you to write your story on Twitter. Whether or not that's actually even how people would want to use it, I don't know. Because if I'm someone who doesn't use Twitter, I don't want to go to Twitter to read a story. I want to go to a normal news site to read a story and then have Twitter talk about it. This just feels like they're missing the point here. I want the Wall Street Journal. Here's the headline and here's the link. And I'll go click on it and read that article. And then I'll go back to Twitter after I've read the article. If Twitter thinks that me clicking on that link and going off is a problem, that's a Twitter problem. It's exactly it, yeah. Because Twitter, again, they can sit there and they'll watch you. They'll watch you click off and they'll watch you come back or they'll watch you click off and not come back. And so anything they can do to have you never actually leave the platform so that you're always sitting there, you're always, you know, 
reading through or scrolling more. That's the how they generate engagement. It's how they track all those metrics. And the more they can have those metrics increase, whatever they can do to bring more people to that space, that's how they make their money. And this is going to end Twitter. If they actually do this, if they start putting, because at that point, it's no different than Facebook or or any other social media platform that, okay, here's a, you know, somebody wrote a, a 14,000 word article and you've got to scroll through that whole 14,000 words to get to the next Twitter post. Really? You think Twitter's going to survive that? Oh, yeah. And I think that it also just completely misses why people use Twitter. It misses the thing that makes Twitter great or <laughs> makes it to, to makes Twitter Twitter will yeah. hesitate from using make Twitter great. That that shortness, that punchiness, the snappiness to it, the ability to see it and go, see it and go, see it and go. I, I totally agree that if you have to sit there because if you're on your phone as well, how many like thumb swipes does it take to get through a several thousand word article? If I'm going to dedicate my time, you know, I'm going to say, okay, you know, someone said that here's this article which is worth me reading. All right. I'm in that mindset. I'm in that headspace. But if I'm not super interested in a 5,000 word article and I have to sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll, after the fourth or fifth one, I'm closing Twitter and I'm going somewhere else. And not coming back. Yeah. So they, they have to be really careful of what they're doing here. I just think this is a really bad idea. Totally agree. So a good idea was Windows 11 deciding to finally bring their Android apps to the PC. Right. This is something that we talked about back in the fall, that this was a feature which Windows 11 was teasing. And then, oh, it didn't make it into the launch cycle. Well, here we are. We're now a couple months later. And... They finally are about to roll it out, and you will be able to use your Android apps natively inside the PC. And so it's all right. Maybe maybe that we're getting close to thinking about possibly updating to Windows 11, but still not yet. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting interested in Windows 11. I'm not ready to upgrade to it. And I'm not an Android user, so... This feature doesn't mean anything to me. You're an Android person. This makes it a little more interesting for you, I'm sure. But Microsoft said today that there's a little more than a thousand apps from the Amazon App Store that are now available in, in the Windows Store that you can download and run. And it'll be interesting seeing, do they sync across your from your Android phone to the windows pc it it has to because you know if, if i have an app that they have to be talking to each other it has to be like being logged in on two phones at once but how many apps are even ready for that i would assume that most apps operate under the assumption that you have one phone that you know you use your phone number to log into it and to verify your identity that's really kind of you know, it's not guaranteed. I'm sure there are some people up there who maybe they have a personal phone and a work phone, so they're logged into Spotify on both, or they're logged into some other app on both. But I, I really don't know how many apps there are that I'm like, oh, 
that's an app that currently only exists on my Android that I, I would really love if I could also access it on my PC. For most apps, either there it is some unique value of back, the fact that it's on my phone, like Instagram. I, I don't really want Instagram on my computer, on my on my desktop, or it it already exists. Like Spotify has a desktop application already, and it's designed for the desktop. And so, I don't know this this feature. I'm glad that they finally delivered on it, but again, I still don't see the whole point. On Spotify, for example, does the Spotify look? feel and operate the same way on the phone as it does on the PC? I mean, it, it feels like the, to use the analog, Facebook on your PC versus Facebook on your phone. The Obviously, the desktop environment is has more inside of it. There's just, you have more space to play with. You have more uh, real estate. And so you're not as crunched for having to squeeze in only the important features you have more menus if you want to go dig around to find other things and so if i'm sitting there at my computer i I want those other options available to me i that's why i'm at my computer that's why we have larger devices is to be able to dig through all those things and this just feels like taking all of the worst parts of the phone which is like the space constraints and putting them onto the computer while without gaining the advantages of the phone, which is the mobility aspects of it. And so, or the touchscreen aspects of it, I'm just not sold. I'm not sure what app it is that I'm going to go get Windows 11 to run on my uh, computer. So Windows 11 has not really been the fastest of rollouts to begin with. And so I, I can see that they're grasping trying to get people excited please come to windows 11 well look here's some here's our android apps that we told you about it's going to be so much better so much i'm a windows guy and i love windows 10 and i i just i don't know that i've i see the real big need to go to windows 11 right now exactly there's we said this back in the fall that like Okay, but why? Why is this not Windows 10.1? Why is this not Windows 10.5? Like, what? what is it? Okay, yeah, sure, you, you baked Teams all the way inside. Teams is now your default communication platform. That's great, but... You could have done that in Windows 10. Yeah, I, I already use, you know, I, I use Teams for business communication, I'm not about to pick up teams for my friendship communication or talking to my family. So what is it that I'm getting out of this? And, and Oh, by the way, in one of the, this newest release, you can also move the, the toolbar back over to the left instead of just being in the middle the way that was one of the window 11 big things that the toolbar was centered now. Well, they had enough people really complain, and so now it the start button is back over on the left corner. Yeah, and that just screams that they were looking for something to do differently. They had to have some way to make their mark to say, this is, we're justifying why we need the upgrade. And enough people were like, no, <laughs> stop, go back. Good for Microsoft. They did listen. 
Yes, they they did not continue to make things worse. They went back to the way they were. Good on them. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider, delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeast United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 100 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show today or you want to go back and hear us as a podcast, check out any previous episodes available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe to get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show, you have any suggestions, or you have a question, shoot us a text, 225-255-0431. If we use your question as the question of the week, we will send you a free Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.